This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Sorepreneurs, uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson. From teenage mom to a recognized top 100 national trial lawyer, award-winning international speaker, number one best-selling author, and successful business and legal strategist, Chevelle certainly knows how to soar, uninterrupted. She's here today to empower and educate you with effective business and legal strategies you can use to build and scale a successful business without interruption. Get ready. Get set. Let's soar. Ladies and gentlemen, your host, Chevelle McPherson. Hello. Welcome, 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 everyone. You are here with Chevelle McPherson from Sorepreneurs Uninterrupted. And I am excited today. I have the lovely Ro Couture DeSato here. She is a life coach for business owners. Correct, Ro? So women in business. Yes. Women in business. That's right. And she is here today to share some wisdom, some insights with you entrepreneurs that want to start, grow and scale your businesses. Um, Ro has a very, very uh, interesting and um, I mean, I love her story. Um, Her journey is just so inspiring and I found it to be inspiring and empowering. And I want you to be able to experience that same thing. So with no further ado, Ro, welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. How are you today, my darling? I am doing lovely. Thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited to have you. Um, you know, you are amazing and you do, you're doing some great things. And I know um, when I first met you and we were talking, uh, first and foremost, I didn't even realize, we're going to get into all this. I didn't even <laughs> realize you were um, the age you told me that you are because I thought you were like so much younger. Number one, you look fabulous. Number thank you, two, thank you. 62, uh, baby. Yeah, but you know, what? you know what? You look fabulous. You are um, you are inspiring and you have changed, you know, your career um, at an age where most people will just like say, I'm just going to step. I'm just going to keep doing this. Right. You know, this soul sucking too old. I'm going to give up. <laughs> yeah, I'm too old. I'm going to give up. And, you know, and, and listen, um, I don't consider you old at all. But younger people think that, you know, like 40 is old. You know what I mean? Yes. And, yeah. And so people get so stuck in, into where they are because they say, oh, I'm at this age. I can't do this. And so Ro is here today because she's going to get, share her story with you about why, number one, you're never too old to, to transition your life, especially if you're in a place that's not happy. And she is going to really empower you with what it what it took for her to to transition and hopefully that will be some assistance to you. So, Ro, I'm going to just ask you, can just tell me, like, how you got started in your career early on? My early on career? Yes. I'm a very young girl. Very, very young girl. I was, you know, one of these women that felt like, you know what, I'm going to make something out of my life and I am going to be doing something. So I was a very strong-headed young girl in my 20s and I was pissed off that women weren't getting their fair share. And, and I was just felt like I needed to do something about it. Right. And so I got a job on Wall Street and I was going to be, you know, prove that women can do what a man can do. And, and it wasn't that I thought I was great. It wasn't that I thought I was smart. I was just pissed off, to tell you the truth. You know, I felt it in my family. I felt that my brother was 20 months older than me. He got so much more than I did. I experienced growing up a lot of Me Too situations, men coming on to me from as young as 10 years old, you know, my girlfriend's husband, uh, father, you know, at a sleepover. Right. And so I had all these men coming on to me and I'm looking at why is it, and I'm studying psychology in college mm-hmm. and I'm studying men and women. And I'm like, why are they all these, you know, societies putting all these men on the pedestal when they're not and putting women down. And I had a mom that worked. I was the only mom in the 50s that was working full-time. So I had a very strong, independent mom. She's 90 today and still works. I met her. She's fabulous. She's, she's amazing. She's yes. amazing. She just took 24 people to, to Italy. I was going to say, the last time we talked, I'm like, bro, how's your mom? He says, oh, she's over in Italy with 20 people. And she's like torn, torn, you know, Europe. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> she came back two days later and she took a whole group to New York City to see a play. 
Listen, your mom to see, has, she's got to see Cher twice already. Are you serious? Your mom has so much energy at like 92. She puts some of these young girls to shame. She does. She Seriously. Does. She's coming to my E-Women Network luncheon, uh, my business networking luncheon next Tuesday. Oh, she, she listen. <laughs> 90 years old. She, I, she, listen, she's amazing. She yeah. is. Okay, so, so, so I had her influence. So I had her influence, you know, beside me. And, and that's why I was like, I'm just going to do this. And I just started working. I got very lucky. I had people telling me what to do. And they were saying, get a job in the front office. Make sure it's on the trading floor. Don't get a back office. I, I had the guts enough to turn down a lot of offers mm-hmm. because they weren't what my mentors were telling me what to take. Right. And I said, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm not going to just take anything. I was living at home, so I had that beauty. Right. And I sit next to a man, a gentleman, Bill Brown, and he says, do you want to do what I'm doing? And I went, yes. He says, then pick up that phone. I went, what do you mean pick up that phone? Those are stockbrokers on the other side of that phone. He says, listen to me. Trust me. If they know what they're doing, they will ask for somebody by name. If they don't ask for a name, they know less than you. Mm-hmm. Trust me. I said, okay, I'll do it. He was so right. And before you know it, I was screaming municipal bond bids across the floor, <laughs> hundred traders. And they were like, who is this little girl from Brooklyn? Right, right. <laughs> I was in my twenties. And within six months I had his position. Wow. Wow. So, and, and you were and you were the first woman in that position, correct? Not in that position, but that position got me noticed. And when we formed a new department, uh, when the region, you know, became a regional director, I became the first female regional director and the first woman to come from a product side and not from the broker side. And that's amazing. That's yeah, amazing. Regional directors back then were the producers that were doing a half a million dollars, a million dollars, and they would like allow them to be the regional directors. Go out and teach the rest of the stockbrokers what you do well. Right. So you were you were a stockbroker. I was no. I came from the product side. I was okay. in marketing and sales. Okay. I sold to the stockbrokers. Sold to the stockbrokers. Okay. I mean, that's the best sales training you can get, baby. Listen, let me let tell you. you, I can let, listen. And so. Um, Usually in Manhattan, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And you got that you got that position because you basically picked up the phone and just like jumped into action because someone said do it. Exactly. Right. And, exactly. Right, and that that changed the whole trajectory of your career on Wall Street. Absolutely, absolutely. Because I wasn't afraid to to show up. And you know that's 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 a really great skill to have an opportunity to learn early on in business. Because that's where most entrepreneurs get stuck. They don't know yeah. how to show up. They get scared. They don't think they have the skill in the town. And you know, your first mentor, when he said to you, he just gave you a clue as to whether or not they were going to know more than you or not. And then in business, we know, even with our clients, the key really is not being scared, just trying to stay one step ahead of them. Exactly. Right? Just staying one step ahead. Just saying one step ahead. If you can stay one step ahead of your clients, like your goal. Would you not agree? And, and the clients I'm coaching are the clients that are only a few steps behind me. Exactly. And the ones, and the, and the, my coaches who coach me are, uh, you know, there's just steps ahead of me and exactly. it's just, we're all on a line somewhere. Right. Right. And, and it's a difference, but it's a beneficial line, right? It's a beneficial line. It's absolutely. It's a very beneficial line. And that's why I always tell every time I pretty much every conversation I've had with any person who I've interviewed, we all agree that it's so important to have a business coach. And you just, it's almost like a, you know, it's like a procession line. It's like you are here and there's someone behind you that are a few steps ahead of you, but they're guiding you because they've been you, right? And there's someone ahead of them that's guiding them. So you know what? If we all stay in line, we'll all get there, right? Quicker. Like like that gentleman, he uh, he believed in me. Mm Mm-hmm. And he saw something in me or he believed in me and he was willing to sit side by side me. And that was all I needed was to have that little extra oomph to say, okay, you know, I'll do it. And you know what? And I think that's also important too, because that's another, that's another issue that a lot of entrepreneurs encounter is sometimes you can't see in you what other people can see. That's right. And that's also the beauty of having a business coach or a life coach, because a lot of us have skills and talents that are just sitting there because mm-hmm. we don't recognize them. Right. 
Right. And other people come along and they immediately recognize them, but they also like, you know, they also have the benefit of observing you and then observing other people that are quote unquote ahead of you. And they, they can realize quicker than you that they're, that you're not that far away. That's right. It's so hard for us to see our own stuff. It's so hard. Really hard. So tell me, so tell me a little bit more about now on Wall Street. So you're, you're in your twenties, right? Mm-hmm. You're in your 20s, you're working on Wall Street, and tell us about that experience. I could tell you lots of stories. <laughs> well, I will tell, let me just ask you this. At that particular time, looking back, I'm sure you felt that you had just reached the epitome of success, correct? Yes. So you just, you, you, you felt like you were successful in your career. Um, you were now doing- I, I was, I was, I was like, you know, I was like, when the stock market crashed, Mm-hmm. Right at that time, I was a VP. I was a vice president of EF Hutton and Company, which is like Goldman Sachs of today. Right. I was making like close to two hundred thousand dollars in nineteen eighty six, nineteen eighty seven, and I thought there there was only going to be uphill from there. Mm-hmm. I had my husband and I. We built and designed our own home, mm-hmm. and we had family members saying, "Save for the rainy day." You know, watch out for this, and and we were like, "What for?" Like right. I'm, I'm young, right? I'm young and making this much money. You know how much money I'm going to be making ten years from now? Right, 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 right. And right. then the stock market crashed. <laughs> and the stock market crashed, and, and and how did that affect you? Changed the whole market. If Hunton was bought out by Shearson, that went under. Went through mergers and acquisitions. I went through like three companies within from '87 to '92. We, we we moved into our house. My husband got into a lockout. He was a local three union electrician. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm out on a job just on, on severance pay. And we have a big fat mortgage with a 3,500 square foot house. So you literally, you literally go from, you know, save money for what attitude to like, oh my goodness, like. My back is up against the wall. Right. And my back. And, and you know what I did? That's what I want to know. I took a job. So I, I did, I went into a direct sales, okay. you know, a multi-level marketing company for about a year. And then there was an opportunity for a brand new uh, network marketing company. It wasn't brand new. It was a few years old. And I was a rep there and they were a position opened up of the national sales director, the rep who teaches all the reps. Right. Position opens up and, and I'm like, my back's up against the wall. I need to make money. I'm applying for it. Okay. They flew me out to Bel Air very billionaires that run the company. The woman is, now this is 1992, very spiritual woman. Uh, they, they picked me up at, off the airport in their Bentley, took me to the Beverly Hills Hotel. We had lunch there and the woman's like fell in love with me. And she's like, my intuition says she's going to be great. I want to hire her. Had I was so underqualified. It was <laughs> not funny. <laughs> but you got One the year experience of direct sales as a rep. And now I'm leading there are thousands of reps. Right. And you said, well, how did you come to get that opportunity? I heard about the position opened and I just, and I knew, I knew some people like, you know, my, who are my higher ups and I said, I want to apply. And I don't really remember too much after that. All I know is I remember saying, I I raised my hand Mm -hmm. and said, I want to, I'd like to to go for this position. Do you? She met me. She fell in love with me. And, and I got the position and I'm like, I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I have a big fat mortgage and right. Wall Street's falling apart. <laughs> My boss moved to Chicago. I said, what do I do? I said, I'm saying yes, because it was a nice compensation plan. And if that company took off, it would have made me a multimillionaire. Right. Right. Do you so, think that, do you think that, um, your experience back when the, when, when the guy told you pick up the phone? Like, because I always think that there's always like, it could be like one or two moments in your life that can be so transformational at the time you don't realize it, but later on. And when I hear your story and I think back to when you said he told me, because you weren't going to pick up the phone and do what he told you to do. No. He told you to pick up that phone. Once you picked up that phone and you saw results, don't you think that that confidence is what be it starts to build up in you. And then now you're actually calling shots across the floor. Right. <laughs> and so don't you, do you feel like that is what kind of like your first point of transformation from, you know, yes. the road from before that call to like after that experience? 
I say it's like a muscle. You know, like if you don't use it, you lose it. But if you use it, the muscle says, hey, she's going to keep she's going to keep lifting these heavy weights. I better stand up and do something about it and get stronger. I better get this muscle stronger and bigger. It's the same thing. That's exactly what happened. I mean, right. my initial position, you know what my position was? I was hired as a clerical position to check the errors on the desk. That was it. And you I was were supposed to look at the trades at the end of the day and find mistakes. That was my job. So you went from that position to what was your actual title? I was a liaison. I was like, I was the ingo between the stockbroker and the trader, right. getting the bids and the prices for the broker. They would go all- to the price on a bond, and I would go to the trader to get the price of the negotiate the price of the bond with the trader to get to the broker to sell to the consumer. Wow, <laughs> amazing! From a clerical check mistakes. So you go from a clerical check position to and someone then, right to someone saying, "Pick up the phone because I know you can do this other more advanced, profitable yeah. thing." Yeah. Do that. Now you get this courage and confidence. So even when Wall Street, Wall Street starts to crumble, you know what? You don't crumble now because right. you now are strong because of those because of those prior decisions that you made. And yeah. it completely transitioned and changed your character. Right. I mean, everyone I was working with, besides working with the only female and working with men, they were in their 40s and they were like 10, 15 years older than me wow. and wiser than me. And, and I was holding my own with them and, you know, and working with them. So when I had this opportunity for this and, and I, and, and I got to be honest with you, I thought I was selfish at the time saying yes to that position, taking that job as a national sales director for a direct sales company. That's how I was, you know, made to think that like, I'm just getting over on them. You know, I'm pulling like a little Brooklyn. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know and- it's, it's interesting and amazing that sometimes that we sometimes um, we do downplay like, yeah. you know, the success that we that we are entitled to. We right. downplay it. And a lot of people stay they stay small um, because subconsciously they don't think that they are good enough or that they yeah. are qualified enough or that they deserve it. Right. Yeah. And at that I mean, point, you're like 20 years old, not thinking you deserve. Right. I was at eight years at EF Hutton, and here I am selling to stockbrokers. And so I'm selling to salesmen who, like, and some of the best in the world, right? you know, in my region. And I didn't realize how much that qualified me to be the salesperson to train the reps at a direct sales company. Exactly. I mean, they were selling, they were selling skincare. You know? And so now when you go to, so now you go to the new company and tell me about what happened there. So I stepped into the position. I rocked it. I was like, I, I literally, literally rocked it. I started doing training calls, you know, every week and, you know, hosting training calls, which was amazing. Uh, the company ultimately didn't last because they didn't have the right people in, in the right positions and with other things. And, the owner's daughter, the owner was trying to put their daughter in business and she really didn't want to do anything. Tracy Vaughn. <laughs> she was, oh, her, her, her bedroom in their house, in their Bel Air house, I think was 1,500 square feet. Wow. <laughs> it's like, you know, so she really didn't want to run the business. So it, it, it ultimately, and the, and the industry and what was going on. So, uh, but the business fell apart. But it was great because I was I was meeting uh, Olympians. I was meeting like all these like cool people. Like everyone on the board was like all these great people. Mm-hmm. But then uh, you know, so the industry direct sales was taking a hit. So I kind of found myself starting all over again. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. This like, time, what's next? Have, but 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 you know, you're gutsy. You have grit. Now you have confidence. You have sales experience. So what yeah. was next for Ro? What was next after that was I went back to direct sales because I wanted to, to work from home and uh, as a rep. And I'm trying to remember exactly what's next. I went, literally what I did, so that was about 1992 until 1998. I went back and forth between corporate America and uh, trying, to, trying to go out on my own. Mm-hmm. And every time on my own when I would like run out of money, mm-hmm. I would go back to Wall Street so I could make some money. Right. And then when Wall Street would piss me off and corporate mm-hmm. America would piss me off, I'd go back to trying on my own again. Mm-hmm. I seesawed that battle from oh. 92 to 98. Then in 1998, just when I really thought I was out of Wall Street, my, uh, my, I get asked to be a partner in a day trading firm and a hedge fund 
and they wanted me to to run it. They wanted me to be the principal, the registered principal, and 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 be the the managing director, and be the branch manager. So we did that, and we built. We started with five traders. So remember the day trading, right? Right. Uh-huh. So we started on day trading firm with five traders, and those five traders grew. We grew it into a hundred traders. We opened up the 13th floor in the Mercantile Exchange building because, you know, in New York, the 13 floors is unlucky. Oh, yeah. We convinced them to open up the floor because we needed um, more space. And we subsidized with the Mercantile Exchange $750,000 to build out our space. We finished in August of 2001. Okay. So when I say my money literally went up in smoke. Well, listen, let me just say this. It went up as well. When you say August 2001, immediately what comes to my, my brain and my mind, because I know where I, I, rem- I, know where I was sitting um, in 2001 when we had uh, 911. Yep. Right? So tell us, tell us about your experience with that. August 2001. So on my way into work, and it was a sunny, beautiful, gorgeous day. And in the beginning of September, if you, you know, as soon as like vacations are over and people are back to school, nobody knows their way around. Who's going to new colleges? Who's going to new jobs? Everybody's back. They're kind of lost for like a week or two. So the, the traffic is always horrendous for the first two weeks in September. See, the, 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 they didn't know that. If they would have known that, they wouldn't have done it on September 11th. Because, because of that traffic, so many people were late that day. Right. You know, driving, I would drive into Jersey City and then take a ferry over. So driving into the sun. So as I'm walking to the ferry, uh, I saw the first plane hit. And we all thought, because it was on the opposite side. The Twin Towers. The Twin Towers. We thought it was, it was on the other side. So it was on the back side. So we couldn't see the size of the plane. We thought it was a regular, you know, a private plane and an accident. So we all got on the boat. And we all went right into the fire, into the heat of it. Um, and when I got oh, into you're, the, dri- you're driving, you're you're riding into New York City at the time. So I drive into uh, I drive into New Jersey, Jersey City, the- and park my car and take this ferry. Right, right. I've done that. I've so done we take that. the boat over. So that's how I went into work every day. So you're so nine one one is happening, and you're on a ferry on your way. To yeah. New- so I'm ready to I'm ready to embark the ferry, and we see the first plane hit. Okay. So I'm late. It's 847. And the first plane hits. We all get on the plane. I managed to get my office because... You get on the ferry. On the ferry. Yeah, it's a five-minute ferry. Right. Just crossing the Hudson so you River. You said the plane, but you meant you got on the ferry. I got on the ferry. Sorry. Right. Okay. I got on the ferry. I get excited with this. I got on the ferry, got on the phone, and nobody knew. They said the building shook. They didn't know what it was because it just all happened. So we were able to still use our phones because it was the beginning two minutes. Right. And when I got off the phone, it was mayhem. And uh, that's when I got into the lobby and I bumped into my secretary and her sister worked at Cantor Fitzgerald on the 106th floor. And I was pretty much just stopping her from like, you know, don't go up there. She wanted to go to save her sister. And I'm like, no, you got to let the professionals. And then suddenly I heard this loud noise and somebody grabs my arm and says, run. And I look up and I see the plane coming straight at us because I'm on the ground. I'm on the ground, like right outside the lobby and the plane's coming straight. We don't know where the plane's hitting. We don't know where it's going, but it's coming straight at us. And we just ran into the park uh, and, and it hit that building. And then from there, it was pure mayhem from that moment on. I mean, and, you know, it's interesting. Um, so I knew my boat was on the other side, but I had so many family members and friends that I work with because it was more like a family business as well. Right. And so I wanted to try to reach them and tell them, I have my car five minutes on the other side of the river. Let's take the boat. I was letting my own boat go because there were several boats coming in from several di- different directions. Right. And, and I'm on the park bench trying to find family and trying to find everybody where people are knocking people over to save themselves. And I'm like, there's my boat. All right, let my boat go. Right. Finally, I says, well, I got a moment. And I said, well, maybe I could do this on the other side a little smarter. <laughs> Uh-huh. We get on the boat and try to reach them and tell them that was the last boat out. That was I made I made it finally I made it out on the last boat. Somebody, I let three or four of my boats go by before I finally got wise and said, you know what? Let me get on a boat. I got on the boat and I got to the other side. And then when I got to the other side, like it was like you know shortly later that the two towers fell. 
So I just made it up. You just, you literally, like, literally escaped with your life. Yeah. I just, I just made it out because I was, I was right down there in the heat. I was right, like right there. And, um, it was just, and you know, I rec, I realize who you realize who you are that day. You know, I didn't realize it right then, but years later I had to, I made a commitment to write an anthology book and to, to write this story. And I'm like, and she wanted me to write the story. And I'm like, I don't know what lessons I learned. I wasn't thinking about it. This is in 2007 now. And so I said, okay, let me take a look at it. That's when I realized I'm like, wow, I'm letting my boats go by. What does that say about me? Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm like being strong and powerful. And in 2007, remember from 2001, my business, after a couple of years, we couldn't survive. Trading business changed. The market changed. We couldn't survive. So I had to close a million dollar business up. And again, found myself starting all over again in like 2005. And now it's 2006 and they want me to write about it. So I was at a low point in my life. I was starting to think like, you know what? It doesn't matter. No matter what I do, something's going to tear it down. Whether it be me or something from the outside, like like an airplane on 9-11 or the stock market crash in 1987. I was like, it was like, why bother? I was ready to almost give up. I was ready. I was like the lowest low. It was like, I'm just going to go get a job and just do what I got to do and just give up. I'm just going to give up my dream. This is not going to happen. This is, it's over. And, and when she told me to look into that and I started realizing what I did on that day, I started, that's when I started to realize that, you know what? God has other plans for me. And, yes, that's amazing. Too. And I'm, I am a strong woman because look what I did in the heat of the fire. I was looking to save everybody else and not save me. I'm not this, because I really swear, I thought I said, oh, I, I'm just a really, I'm a woman that knows how to sell really well. I get over on people. I've been a fraud. I've been an imposter this whole time. That was my thinking. But when I saw that, I'm like, well, what kind of, that's not an imposter. An imposter doesn't try to save other people when her own life is at stake. And that's what changed my whole life. So that is that one moment that you. Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's interesting because, um, Typically, a lot of times we don't realize um, our makeup and our character, but it just it, it seeps out even when we're not trying. And right. when you said that when this whole 911 tragedy is going on and people are like running, scrambling for their lives and, you know, your life is clearly just as valuable. But at the same time, you're letting other people get on the boat. Right. Right. And yeah. so. You know, that sort of transcends back into um, what you started going through, like in your with opportunities, like you were going to let other people have the opportunity. Right. Yeah. Like you were letting boats pass by. Yeah. Right. Um, even when that first call, when he said, oh, get on the phone, you weren't going to do it, but you would have let other people do it. Right. You know what I mean, yeah. And so, but when that's going on, you don't even realize like you don't realize that's a part, like it's an exhibition of like who you are in your character, you know? Right. But once you realize it and that light comes on, you go, wait a minute, you know, I got to, I got to get out here and make sure I am. It's not selfish for you to want to save yourself. It's not selfish for you to want to grow your business. And I know even with like a lot of women, a lot of women in particular, I had this conversation with someone earlier and like a lot of women, because we're nurturers by nature and we're always putting people ahead of us. Right. right. Yep, but I love the pleaser. Right. It, it comes a point in time in our lives where we have to say, listen, you know, let me put my mask on first. Let me get strong. And exactly. then I can help you with my abundance. But I can help you better when I'm strong. I can help you better when I'm strong. Yep. Because it's so, you know, I always say you can't help someone from an empty glass, right? Yep. You can't help someone if your cup is half full. Yeah. So make sure that you're strong and make sure that your mask is on and then you can go back and you can pull, you can bring it to be so much better. Then that was when I realized that's the day I realized that the emotional wall that I put up to protect me, which I thought was protecting me, was tearing down my dream. It was just tearing everything else down. So that's when I realized that this emotional wall's gotta go. Right. It's gotta go. And so you what I want to do. So when you after this experience for you, um, you literally like escaping with your life on the last boat, um, that had to clearly be a revelation. 
for you and how you wanted to, to live the rest of your life. Totally. It was a whole, told, it changed the definition of success for me. So when I went to Wall Street, I was chasing the money. When I went to multi-level marketing, I was chasing the freedom. And 9-11 made me realize that it's like, it's not, well, none of that is worth it. You know, not for the, not what, you know, my kids would like have fear in their face when I went to work after that. Right. You know, like, is mommy going to come home? Right. I, because I was in the mercantile exchange building where we're trading gold and silver, we were open a week later and I would come home with a sore throat every day. And then I would come home with the threats. And then there was, I remember two times when there was like, you know, those false threats. Right. right. I just dropped everything. I said, you know what? I'm out of here. Right. I don't care. I might be running this whole shindig, but I'm out of here. So it started putting different perspectives in life and started made me realize what is, what is worth it, what is not worth it. And that's when I, I started really looking at, okay, so what is it that I want to do that I can do safely from New Jersey right. and not in Manhattan? And, you know, what is my calling? What are, what's my purpose? Why am I here? So I did a lot of soul searching. Okay. So this is what I want to do. Um, I want to take a break right now. Um, because I want to come back and I want to talk about what life after that soul searching, you know, how, how is life now for Ro Couture the sorrow, you know, now that she has, um, really realized that, you know, you wanted to live life a different way on your terms and that you came to realize that what you thought was success wasn't really making you happy. Right. Okay. So let's take a break. Um, we're going to come right back after this commercial and we're going to finish talking to Ro and she's going to tell us where she is now um, in her life and in her business and how things have changed for her. We'll be right back. You're listening to Sorepreneurs Uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson. Are you a coach, consultant, expert, or service-based entrepreneur? Are you ready to build a sustainable business, scale a business to six figures or beyond, or legally protect your business? If you answered yes to any of these questions, we have a gift just for you. At Soar to Success Academy, entrepreneurs just like you hire us to accelerate their income and protect their profit. Today, you can download a free copy of our business store blueprint. This blueprint will give you a step-by-step roadmap on how to not only build a profitable business, but how to also legally protect it. Your business store blueprint is just a click away. Go to ChevelleMcPherson.com to claim your free blueprint and start building a profitable and protected business that will give you greater impact and greater income. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Okay. Welcome back, everyone, to Sorepreneurs Uninterrupted. I've been having a great um, conversation today with Ro Couture DeSaro, and she has been telling us her journey um, from Wall Street through, you know, building, you know, million-dollar businesses to going, you know, literally escaping her life um, during 911, literally getting on the very last boat out before those towers collapsed. Um, and clearly, if, if you go through something like that, as she just explained and described, it really will make you have a uh, reflection upon life, what's important to you, your family, your business. And so now um, I want to talk to Ro about life after 911, hmm. life after that revelation. And how it has changed her, her life and her business. So, so tell me about this revelation and, and where you are now. So it, uh, so I started to say this, I started to do some soul searching. I started when I had a look in 2007, what lessons I learned. And once I recognized the lessons I learned, I found my power back. So if I'm being, cause I was at my lowest point, as I said, kind of like, you know, who stole my confidence and where did it go? <laughs> you know, right. type of place I was to finding that power. And once I found my power, I said, okay, so what's next for me, God? Where, where am I? What's meant for me? What is, so it was like, what is my purpose and what is my calling? And that's what I concentrated on. You know, a little bit was passion because back then 
it was always follow your passion, follow your passion. And I've always been, I've, I've taught this to my children just to follow your passion. And so it was like, but I wasn't following my own dream. So I started doing research, I started getting some coaching. I started working, you know, with some coaches on doing, uh, doing that information. And then what I started to see, and it really kind of just validated what I was already seeing. I was going to networking events and I was looking and seeing women in business and I was networking with other women in business. And in my mind, I'm like, these women are playing small. They are, they're like not doing anything that I was doing, you know, when I was being gutsy. And, and I had thought, I literally, because I was kind of out of the equation, especially working my stock trading, it was like all men again. So I was kind of a little out of the female world. And I thought women had come so much further. When I'm like, here I'm like 20 years later and seeing women are still, they haven't moved the needle at all. Right. Pissed me off again. Right. <laughs> so no, again, one, listen, off. no one wants to piss Ro off because then what happens no, is- Piss me Ro, off. <laughs> Ro, gets, Ro gets serious when she gets pissed off. She starts to make transformation, right? Yeah. So that's why I tell everybody, right? I do this with all my clients. I was like, what pisses you off? Because they were like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want. Well, you always know what you don't want. And it's just the opposite. So it's like, all right, well, what pisses you off? And uh, so, so that's when I started to realize that women need help. Women need help. And I've been able to do all this naturally. So it's like, so I started looking at like, what was I doing to actually be successful like that? And how could I help women? And how can I pay that forward and teach women to do that? And that's when I started my, my coaching business, my gutsy gals get more. Now, you know what? I love it. And I love how you just explained this to the listeners, because I always say this. You really find out once you start to have self-revelation, like with you, what you did was you look back at all of your experiences and everything that you've gone through. And you you realize, number one, you've always been gutsy. You, we, mm-hmm. We've heard that throughout the show. You've always been gutsy. You were gutsy when you were like home with your mom. You were gutsy at 20. You were gutsy at Wall Street. You were gutsy when you were letting those boats go by, right? right. Before you got on the last one. So that's always who you've been. And it's, it's interesting because it came to a point now where you looked at what made you gutsy. You know, you looked at all of those experiences and then when you're trying to determine what your passion is, you it sounds to me like you realize a lot of women don't have that gutsy, right? right? And right. so and so you took all, you know, really, I usually tell people when, when like when you say your clients go, I don't know what I want to do. Look at your life. This is this is my opinion. Okay. Look at your life. Look at all your experiences. Look at everything that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. Map out where you were, where you are now how you got there. Now your ideal client is probably the younger version of you. Right. Right. So your ideal client is actually struggling, you know, with confidence, with being gutsy, with picking up the phone, like the guy told you to do with going out here and, 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 and making a difference. Your ideal client, the younger version of you, the row at 20, you realize that you could help her. Yes. Right. So then you form Gutsy Gals, mm-hmm. right? Coaching, yep. right? And you started doing business and life coaching. And now, you know, you're able to use all of that experience that you had and you're able to now help other women get to where they want to get in their lives and their careers. Right. Of your experience in your path. Yes. I mean, I, I, women started coming up to me and saying, I want to be gutsy. Can right. you make me gutsy? Right. <laughs> you know? right. Like, you make me gutsy. What does it take to be gutsy? <laughs> what do you think? And my whole, but my whole philosophy is it's being a gutsy gal with a heart. Right. It's like it's not, it's not giving up your womanhood. It's like showing that it's just stepping into your feminine powers to do it. Stepping into your authenticity. And the only guts you need is to be you. I love it. That's, I love it. That's my line. The only guts you need is to be you. I love it because, you know, a lot of times people think to, to achieve what they want to achieve, that they have to emulate, you know, a guru or they have to be like someone right. else or they have to change. And, and what you're saying is just be you and just learn how to turn on that power that you already have. I always say we all have this innate power inside of us. You just have to find the voice. Right. right. And, and a lot of the times, voice. Well, a lot of times in like in your situation, those women 
need you as a coach, a business and life coach, just to help them discover and light the voice. Yeah. And here's, here's an interesting thing that I found. So I have a lot of very strong, powerful women. Yes. That were like thinking like, you know, they're all gutsy. But if they're they're in overwhelm, mm-hmm. they're in they're stressed out because they are trying to be like in a man's world and act like a man. Right. So and they think that gutsy gal was me teaching them how to be like a man. And I'm like, no, it's quite the opposite. Right. <laughs> I'm teaching you how to tap into your feminine side right. of you because that's where you're going to find your power. That's where you're going to find that inner confidence, and you're going to have the courage then to say yes. Right. What do you think is the biggest challenge your clients face? Saying yes to themselves and perceiving that they can do it. And so through your experience, what do you believe is um, through either your programs, your services, how do you help them achieve that? First, I help them by understanding who they are. Kind of like what you were saying earlier, too, and just even just looking about what have they done and like, who are you? Right. And, you know, taking a look at their accomplishments, taking a look at their personality and, you know, taking away that, oh, they thought, like I said, like I thought when I was really good salesperson that I was getting over that I was being selfish. Right. And when I realized, no, that's not selfish. So there's so many feminine traits that we, we perceive them to be weak. Right. We perceive them not to be important. So like, you know, getting quiet, tapping into our intuition as a woman, we get to hear what we want. So many women don't know what they want because they don't stop to listen. Yeah. And a lot of times, the other thing too, is I find um, a lot of women, they don't stop to listen to themselves. Yeah. They stop to listen to other people. Exactly. <laughs> and then they compare themselves. Right, right, right. So get out of the judgment-itis, the comparison-itis, and all those itises that you want to get. Yes. And then from there, once we, we get that, that's like, you know, the basics of my work. From there, then I attach it to the business skills. How does this show up in your business and your marketing strategies? How can we create feel-good marketing strategies that are in alignment with who you are, with your values? Because when they're in alignment with your values, you're going to take action. Right. The reason we don't take action is because we're trying to do something that's not us. Right. If you had to give, you know, some women, you know, the younger role or the aspiring entrepreneur um, that is really trying to figure out how to get gutsy and really trying to figure out how to get their life in order or their business in order. Like what steps would you tell them that they should implement to at least get themselves on the right path? The first thing is to yeah, do the self, just go down the self-discovery, you know, get curious on who they are, find out what inner barriers have been blocking them, whether it's the I'm not good enough syndrome, I'm invisible syndrome, you know, I'm alone syndrome, you know, so do you, like go and work on your inner transformation and then also start to see and work on what is it that you want to change in this world? What is it? Where do you want to make an impact? What is the contribution? Because you'll find you'll find your power in contribution because we all want to make be we all want to contribute something to the world. And in, and you find your power in that. So find out. So now let's take a look at who are you destined to serve? Who are you uniquely destined to serve? Right. What is your gifts and talents make you perfect person to uniquely qualify for this particular group of individuals that you're destined to serve, you know? And then, so get really clear on that message and what you're solving, you know, that problem that you're solving, get real clear on what your message is, get clear on who you're serving. Too many women want to serve the world and, Oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to hurt this one where everyone needs my products and services. Mm-hmm. And then they want to know why they're, they're not getting, they're not growing. They're not scaling because they're trying to serve everyone. So, so from learning who you are, it's really then finding out who you're destined to serve and what is your message. I love it. I love it. So, you know, um, when, I, when I'm listening at you, the biggest thing I take away from it um, for entrepreneurs is that they need to be clear. They need to get clarity. Yes. Right? Clarity with, within who they are, clarity within who they want to serve. Right. Clarity within, you know, what trans what transformation do they want to bring about to the world, right? Exactly. You know? Exactly. And and the other thing that you said, which I love, is um they want to say, you know, they want to serve the world. And we all know that, you know, it's easier 
to figure out what, what part of the world do you want to serve and serve? You know, right. not the whole world. What part of the world, you know? Yes. Um, because as women, a lot of times we want to put on that superwoman cape and we just want to go out here because, you know, listen, we are, you know, we're mothers, we're wives, we're, you know, we're business owners, we're CEOs, we're all these things. But if you really, really want to make a difference in your business, what you're saying makes absolute sense. Take off all of those hats and get clear on the one thing that it, you know, the one thing that it is that you really, what is it, the transformation that you want to bring about? Because once you get known... Once you become an influencer, then you could go on and become an Oprah where you could serve the world and and serve everyone. But she didn't start where she is now. Absolutely. You know, a lot of people don't realize that. If you look at a lot of the successful women out there, they started getting known in one specific area. They were like an expert in one area. And then they grew their tribe by being an expert in one area, then once they grew, once you grow your tribe, you become that celebrity status. Then you could be like, you know, think of a rock star, no matter, like they say, they're drinking Coca-Cola. You're going to drink Coca-Cola, you know, you know, it it doesn't matter. I love it. But we, what the problem I see with the women is that they're comparing themselves to that level and they think they need to do that, but they can't do that until they got known. (laughs) I love it. So they're doing it backwards. I love it. I love it. This has been, this has been awesome and amazing. Um, If you have to leave them with like one big nugget, what would that be? You know, it would be not to, to, to listen to yourself, to listen to what you want and not listen to every guru out there. You know, every webinar you go on, everything that's out there and says, you need this, you need webinar. No, you need to go blog. No, you need to. And, and you haven't even like, you don't even know what you want. Right. When you're, if you're just starting out, there is certain business essentials that need to come first that you need to work on. You need to know how to make an offer. You need to know how to have enrolling conversations with people. You know, how, how do you, how do you have that sales call before you do your website? Exactly. I love it. So, <laughs> you know? that's, that's critical because, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to wrap it up with this. Everything you said is so valuable. And th- that nugget you gave is important because I even I always tell my clients, there's a time and place in your business for certain strategies, right? right? If you're just starting a business, branding should not be at the top of the list. If you're just starting a business, that funnel should not be at the top of the list. Like you said, start with clarity. The first thing is to get clear with who you are right. and who want to serve, then you go to the next step. And if you're not sure what those steps are, then what you need to do is get a business coach, a mentor, so someone can help you go down the proper road, take the proper steps at the proper time. Yeah. They're doing, they're doing marketing strategies when they don't even know what their message is. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) I agree. So how can they get in touch with you, Ro? Um, like I said, if you guys want to really be able to build, grow and scale the business, there's a time and a place that you do certain things. Um, you're not going to be successful um, on a webinar, like Rose said, if you don't know your messaging. You're not going to be successful with the funnel if you don't even know who your ideal client is. So part of the reason why most entrepreneurs are not successful is because they're doing the wrong things at the wrong time. Right. Those strategies are all great, but they can be devastating to your business if you're not implementing them at the stage your business is in there there there's a time and place for everything right yeah i think of it's like building a house when i built my house i realized the foundation took so long it took forever i felt like there's no way this house is going to be done but it took like six months for the to put the foundation in once the foundation was in it took just a couple of weeks for the walls to go up and a week for the roof to go on and then the windows to go on and the house was done I business love is the same way we, we tried to rush through that foundation piece and we started, we, we, we tried to put the walls up before we put the foundation in. I love it. So listen at Ro, she knows what she's talking about. And she just told you, if you're trying to properly build a business, focus on the foundation, get it strong, get it solid, get it yep. in place before you start working on the, the walls and the growing and the scaling, get your foundation in place. Yep. So Ro, how can the listeners get in touch with you? They can get in touch with me on my website which is my name, com, And there's actually, there's some, I have some free programs on there as well. 
I also have a free program for your listeners if you want an online class. I'd like to gift that if you would like. Oh, absolutely. Tell us about your free gift. Yeah, it is. um, It's the Gutsy Gals Guide to Courage, Risks and Rewards. Love it. Talk about risks and talk about where to find courage. It's a really great starting point. So I'd love to gift that to you. Uh, I'll give you the special link, you know, for that because it's a it's a bitly link. It's a bitly that's gutsy gal. Okay, we'll make sure we put it down. We'll Great. put the link up so everyone can get the um, free gift that Rose given out. Um, and if you want to follow me on my Facebook, my Facebook, I have a closed Facebook group. It's called Gutsy Gal Truth Talk. Love it. Talking the truth, girl. Love it. Great shooter here. Love <laughs> it. Well, Ro, it has been a pleasure having you. Um, so much insight, so much value. Um, you are really a true example of, you know, a sorepreneur who has been uninterrupted. I always say, you know, they try to, you know, you can get knocked down, you can get pushed. Like you said, you want to give up. But at the end of the day, as long as you get on that journey and you yep. don't let it completely interrupt you, then you will get to where you're trying to go. So and that's why you and I hit it off from the very from very moment yes. we met. <laughs> yes, yes. I listen. I always say, you know, I'm attracted to people that um, are, they have resilience, that, you know, uh, understand business is not easy, that are willing to put in the hard work. Roe is a prime example of that. And I'm glad, you know, that we met. I'm glad that you're a part of my circle. I'm glad that you're my friend. And I'm yeah, really same glad. Here. And, I, and I'm glad that you came by. And I'm glad you're doing this podcast. Oh, I'm, this I'm, is great. This is great. Women are going to need this. Women are going to love it. I know you. I know you know a lot of great women and men. And you're going to be interviewing some doing some amazing interviews. I'm definitely going to be following it myself. Yay! Thank you so much. Thank you for contributing to this podcast and um, for all the listeners. Make sure you subscribe. Subscribe so that you can keep yeah. up. We're going to continue this conversation every week. You have Rose information. So until the next time, I want everyone to do what? I want you to keep soaring uninterrupted. Until next week, guys, talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Soarpreneurs Uninterrupted with Chevelle McPherson, where entrepreneurs like you get empowered and educated with business and legal strategies they need to build and scale successful businesses. Join us every week as we continue these entrepreneurial conversations. To download this week's show, listen to past shows, or learn how to be a guest on the show, please visit ChevelleMcPherson.com and click on the podcast link. Be sure to subscribe so you get notified when new episodes are released. Remember, your successful business may be on the other side of an interruption, so keep soaring uninterrupted so you can have the income you desire, the peace of mind you deserve, and a lifestyle you've designed. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.